0: Okay, rumor has it. Um, hey, could one of you see that water bottle on the on the? Can I get one of you kids to run over and grab that water bottle right there by Terry? Beautiful, because rumor has it. I'm not very much of a green thumb or a planter, but if you have good soil and you got water and you got sunshine, you can grow anything, right? No. Okay, so. You got a point there. I can't grow a pool. You know, you maybe want to try it. So, I, okay, so I got some really good dirt here. It's really good dirt. Okay, so now what I'm going to do is, can you take that scissor and then could you cut like right here, right in between there? Don't cut my finger. Oh, you have squeeze her. Get it. Yes. Thank you. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to plant this, just like that. See that? Yep, you shoved it in there. Shoved it in there. Everybody see I got it shoved in? Oop, getting a little dirt all over. So now I'm going to put a more dirt on it. That's wrong. That's so wrong. <laughs> I got good dirt. And, and I got the flower. Now we're going to put a little water on there. Now it should grow, and I should get a whole bunch of roses, right? Huh. No. No. You gotta have you gotta start. I'm gonna take legs. these before we poke somebody accidentally. So first if you're like, well, let's use a tomato pan as an example. You're gonna take the seed. Seed. You're gonna you're dig a hole in the ground. You have to have a seed? Yeah. seed? Why do you have to have a seed? Because the seed sprouts. Grow. It's seed sprouts. The well they didn't have any seeds at the store, so I just thought if I planted the flower, then the flower would grow. Because, well, Walmart. I went to the wrong store. I get it. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I didn't go to Walmart to get this. Well, here's the deal. You guys are right. We need to plant seeds. So today, during I'm going to talk here for another 15 minutes, and I'm going to talk about seeds, and I want you to pay attention to where I talk about seeds, and then afterwards, you tell your mom and dad what you learned about seeds and the Bible today. All right? So, you guys can all go back to your seats and listen for conversation about seats. Good job. Woo. Oh, wow, my knees are not the way they used to be. Ah. Oh. Hmm. Well, honey, you're not going to get any roses, sorry. At least from this batch. <laughs> Rumor has it, they're not going to grow. Um, the Gospel of John talks about, uh, Jesus is talking about, uh, to his disciples, it's, it's his time for his death. And Jesus says these words. He says this. He said, uh, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls... Kids, a kernel of wheat is a seed. Kernel of wheat, seed. Pay attention. So unless unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So... The key here is the seed going into the ground to produce many seeds. Jesus is talking about the reason why he had to die in this passage. There's a story in, in earlier in John, the story of Lazarus. It's a familiar story. It's a story of um, the sick, Jesus, or Lazarus gets sick. And Mary and Martha, his sisters, they run off to get Jesus, or they tell somebody, go get Jesus. Our brother is going to die, and Jesus says, oh, don't worry, he's just going to fall asleep. And so he takes his time in getting back, and by the time he gets back there, what has happened is that Lazarus has died. In fact, four days have gone by, and it's crazy because Mary and Martha are just a little frustrated with Jesus. I mean... I would be frustrated with Jesus too. And uh, they're like, why in the world, Jesus, didn't you come back quickly? And Jesus kind of responded, you know, well, it's okay because Lazarus will rise because I'm going to tell him to rise and he's going to come out. And, and Martha says, I, well, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection day. In other words, Mary and Martha knew that Lazarus was going to rise again, not at that moment, but in the resurrection day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me Will live, and the one, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus asks, Do you believe this? But I want you to notice what he says here The one who believes in me will live. You, you will live, okay, even though you die. So, in other words, the, your spirit's gonna live, your body will die. And then he says, Whoever lives by believing, meaning their spirit, their spirit lives. By believing, we'll never die. So our spirits, when we believe, our body's going to die, but our spirits will never die. And this resurrection, Lazarus rising from the dead, is different from the resurrection that we're going to experience. And it's different from this. When Lazarus came back to life, he still had his old body. And he would have to die again when you and I die and rise again, we come with a new body. This picture of death and resurrection was causing a problem in the church in Corinth because there were some in Corinth, in the community of Corinth, that didn't believe that there was a resurrection. They didn't believe that you there was life after death. They, they really Didn't believe it, and that belief had crept into the church. So in the church, people were going, you know what? Um, I don't think there's life after death. And so Paul, in chapter fifteen, begins to respond to this question: Is there really a resurrection? Now, the interesting thing is, is that this is a question that we face even today in the twenty-first century. You see, many in the world today don't believe that there is life after death, and some of that belief has even crept into the church because there are segments of the church in our world today that don't believe that Jesus was resurrected. They believe that Jesus was a good man, a good prophet, a good teacher, but they don't believe that he rose from the dead. But Paul has a different story, a different view on things. And he starts out in 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 12, he says this, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, not then not even Christ has been raised. Seems like pretty good logic, right? If, if you're going to say that there's no resurrection of the dead, there's no life after dead, then Christ never rose from the dead. And he continues on in verse 14 and he says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. So if there is no resurrection, then Christ didn't rise from the dead. And if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then all our preaching and your faith, useless. Nothing. Means nothing. 15. More than that, We are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. And so the other piece is, not only is our faith useless, say that ten times fast, but we're liars. That's what Paul's saying. He's a liar because we've been telling you God raised Jesus from the dead, but God clearly didn't raise Jesus from the dead if there's no resurrection. And he goes on in verse 16, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Again, your faith is nothing. And now, to add on to it, that means your sins are still with you. So... Then in verse 18, then also those, those also who have fallen asleep are in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, are of all people most to be pitied. So not only that, all of those celebration services that we've had for all our loved ones for all these years, are useless too because they've been lost. So without the resurrection... Life is pretty hopeless, and it's really hopeless for us because we're believing in something that really is not true. It kind of, pun intended, puts the nail in the coffin. We're lost. We're hopeless. We should be pitied, which fits right into the condition of where the world is without Christ, and that is lost and hopeless. Today we hear a lot about mental health issues and abuse in the home and suicides and depression, and a lot of that is um, associated with all that we've gone through regarding lockdowns and COVID and all that kind of stuff. There is this hopelessness in the world and yet we as a church, we have the hope of the world. And sometimes I feel like, and, and I'm, I'm in this boat too, sometimes I look at what's going on around me and sometimes I can get into a funk and I can go, God, it's really hard, it's really difficult, and when is things going to When when is it going to get better? And I can even get down And then I reflect on Paul and Silas who were in prison and they worshiped God and prayed. What would it be like if we as a church, rather than complain about everything that's going on in the world, we spent time worshiping and praying? Paul says in verse 20, his response to all this but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen. So, if Christ has been raised from the dead, we too will be resurrected. Amen. So, there's another question here How are the de- dead raised? I mean,. Have you ever thought about it, what that's going to be like? Do we, you know, some people wonder do we, do we keep our body? Is it a different body? All that kind of stuff. Well, Paul kind of dives into this in the next part of chapter 15. He says, verse 35, but someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish, <laughs> Paul says. Kids, listen up. What you sow, okay, when you sow something, that's where you take a seed and you put it in the dirt. So what I didn't do very well here, you put a seed in the ground, that's sowing. So he says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, i.e., you don't do what I did. Okay, okay. I planted the body that will be. I was wanting a rose, so I planted the rose. No, 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 no. Continue on, verse 37. But just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else, but God gives it a body as He determined, and to each kind of seed He gives it its own body. So here's the deal. We are really like a seed right now. This body is the shell of the seed. And the key to what comes in the resurrection is that this body has to die. It has to be put in the ground. And when that seed is put in the ground because of the res- resurrection of Jesus Christ, out of Will come the body that God had intended for us all along. So thank you, Jesus. This broken down thing. I get something, I get something way better. Don't, I mean, Paul and Silas in a prison, being persecuted, locked up. Do you think maybe they were thinking a little bit about eternity? Do you think they were thinking, you know what, whatever's going on right now is not that big of a deal because if they take me, I'm resurrected? And this body that's being abused right now. It's just a seed. It's going to get planted, and then it's going to be new. Paul continues on in verse 42. He says, So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. That's this it is raised imperishable, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Yes! Amen! Aren't we excited? I mean, thank you, Jesus! for dying. Thank you, God, for raising him from the dead. Thank you that when this life is done, I am resurrected into something new that is imperishable, that is glorious, and that is raised in power, and that is spiritual. Not because of anything I've done, but because of all that God has done through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So the benefits of the resurrection for me is, one, it gives hope. Hope. No matter what I face in this world, I have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because I know that I will be resurrected. It gives purpose. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ... In the life I now live in the fifth flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have purpose so that, yes, this resurrection talks about I, I die and I resurrect new, but there's also a resurrection that's going on in my life right now, and that is because I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ has already begun the process of taking this dead thing and making it new. The last benefit for me is it gives life 2 Corinthians 5:17 I am a new creation the old is gone the new has come dead things to life as I mentioned earlier We were talking with the worship team before the service and you know we had this big piece of wood we call a cross and Many of us wear crosses around our necks or we have crosses hanging in our homes. In Jesus' time or before Jesus' time, having a cross on your wall would have been like having a hangman's noose on your wall or having a guillotine on your wall. It was an instrument of death. But because... Of Christ's death and resurrection. For us, it's a symbol of life, of newness. So, the benefit for me of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is because, it, the benefit is for me is that I have hope, I have purpose, and I have life. Corey Ten Boom says this the measure of a life. After all, is not its duration, but its donation. Now, just a reminder, for those of you who are younger, Cory Ten Boom was in the concentration camps during World War II. Her sisters and her family tried to protect the Jews. They were discovered. They were put in concentration camps. She lost her sister in that concentration camp, and she barely made it out. And so when this woman talks about the measure of life, we need to listen to her because she was one of the ones that would have been like Paul and Silas. Yes, there was down times, but she prayed and she worshipped. Sometimes we worry about the length of life and we forget le- we forget about what am I doing with my life right now. And this, for Paul, goes back to the message from last week of what is of first importance the gospel of Jesus Christ and us proclaiming to this world. This world needs to hear about the hopeful, life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And we are the ones to do it. So, church, let us go into the world filled with hope, filled with life and filled with purpose because we know that we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that's living in me. And we have hope, and we can sing praises, and we can pray, and we can fellowship no matter what's going on in the world because of Christ and because of the resurrection. Paul says this in Philippians 1. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. This verse, the older I get, the more real it becomes. Paul is in prison here when he says this. Paul is wanting to get out. He's saying, I'm hoping, church in Philippi, that I get to come to see you, and I'm praying that I come to see you, but for me to live is Christ to die is gain, so if I die, then I win. But if I stay alive, then I'm still going to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. So my challenge to you, Crossroads Church, this morning, let us choose each day to live a resurrection life. No matter what we face. And there's hard stuff. We all all have hard stuff we're facing. So I'm not trying to minimize that hard stuff. But in the midst of that hard stuff, Let us choose to live resurrection life, a life of hope, a life with purpose, and a life with abundance in life. Let's pray. Today, Jesus, I am so hopeful. I'm so excited about what you are doing in this world. And I'm so thankful that you are wanting to partner with us. And so, we surrender our lives to you. And today, we choose to live a resurrection life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.